We're live, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's Tuesday, April 25th, and I'm joined by the man who never sleeps on Twitter, Sawyer Merritt. Sawyer, how are you doing, my friend? It's very good, good to see you, man. Definitely, definitely lack of sleeping in the last seven days, but yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. So I'm here with uh, with Sawyer to kind of discuss uh, some of the latest news around the Tesla world, but I also want to sort of pick his brain about his journey on on Twitter. And you know, this guy, if we can pull up his uh, his Twitter account in a second here, producer wife, uh, this man's is putting out all kinds of content at all times. He he is just an incredible resource for news. That I, I mean, if you guys watch my videos, uh, this guy is on basically every video. One of his tweets is being referenced uh, at Sawyer Merritt, and he's just uh, he just puts out great content. What? Uh, how long have you been doing this for Sawyer? This Twitter thing? Uh, I think I started tweeting daily news. I think in July of 2020. Yeah, mm. about coming up on three years now. Okay. What and what? Uh, what sort of prompted you to do it? I felt like there were a lot of EV blogs out there and, but I didn't feel like those, I, I wanted sort of like a, a daily news feed that everyone could go to, to digest everything Tesla related on Twitter. And I didn't feel like that really existed. And especially in like a real time breaking news fashion. And I, I felt like I could be a good aggregator of news. And I. Oh, lost you there, Sawyer. Can't hear you. Uh Oh, Uh oh, you're back. Okay. <laughs> Good aggregator of news. Yeah. So that's what I would consider myself, I guess. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I think the, the, the real cool thing about your, your account on Twitter is that I, it's not just Tesla specific. It's also like EVs. It's the world of uh sort of renewable energy. You're kind of covering this transition that we're going towards. You know, a lot of us feel like, you know, Tesla is one of the primary leader, if not the, the leader of that entire movement, but there's just so much going on. Have you noticed the, uh, like what have you, if you think about 2020 versus 2023, what sort of shift have you seen just on how, you know, the news that you cover? Like what, what are some things that stand out? I mean, I would say the mainstream narratives have shifted a little bit. Uh, I think they're slightly less negative than they used to be towards Tesla, because I think Tesla's just grown to such a behemoth of an auto manufacturer and a company in general. Um and I think the audience size, I think a lot more people are interested in the space. I think when back when I started tweeting, you know, the biggest account on Tesla Twitter, I think, had like 2000 followers or 3000, maybe not, not including Elon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, it's really exploded. And now. Uh oh. <laughs> Lost you again, Sawyer. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's probably on my end. That's OK. All that's happening. Weird. Okay, uh, but but basically, you've so, sort of shifted a, a, a you, you've seen a transition away from um, less less negative stuff. It seems like. And I, did you did you follow the story back in 2017, 2018 at all? Yeah. So I first became a. a... Uh oh, lost you again. <laughs> Maybe. Um... Oh no. Uh oh. Could, do you do you do do you mind do me a favor? Could you do like a system reboot or something? Have you already yeah, done that? Yeah, restart my computer. Yeah, restart computer. See if you can right. restart your your router, and then we can we can try again. We'll stay live. We'll keep All the right. audience yeah. entertained in the meantime. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll get story back in a second here. In the meantime, welcome everybody to the uh, solo segment of uh, Farzad Misbahi. This has never happened before. Sora is going to try to fix his internet in the meantime. But uh, yeah, we'll just uh, I don't know bring up some comments or something. <laughs> I wonder how we're going to do this on post. 
I don't know if I should maybe cut it or something uh, after we go into post or not. But yeah, that's a good start. Thank you. I, I agree. I think this is a uh, this is the most flawless interview we've ever had. At least it's uh, hopefully it's entertaining for you guys. And I do apologize for uh, for the wait. Uh, Someone needs to gift Sawyer a new Starlink. Should we start a GoFundMe? You know what we can do? We can go to his account, pull up his Twitter account, producer wife, when you get a when you get a chance. Uh, he does have a subscribe button uh, on his Twitter account. Maybe if you all go to his account on Twitter, uh, if we pull it up here, we can uh, just subscribe to the guy. That that little uh, pink little thing on the upper right hand corner next to follow. I think it gets like what three bucks a month, four bucks a month, or something. If you do subscribe to him, maybe if enough of us do. Look at that, two ninety nine a month. And then if uh, a few of us can subscribe to him, maybe we can get him to uh, buy a Starlink. <laughs> So we don't have this issue. Uh, yeah, I do apologize, y'all. Uh, we'll, we'll get him back. Look at that. Go ahead. Let's 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 see you sign up, producer wife. Let's do a live one. <laughs> oh man, we'll get him back. I do apologize, y'all. We'll get Sora back here. We, we've asked him to um, restart his internet. We were having some lag issues when we went live, uh, and this is one of the uh, fun things of uh, doing live streams is that sometimes you'll uh, have unexpected occurrences. Uh, yeah, we do have to get him. Uh, uh, Starlink. Maybe turn off his camera feed, do audio only. We'll try that next. You know, when he comes back, if we're still having lag issues, we'll try turning off his camera and going only audio. Um, and then and then we'll see what happens from there. Um, Sawyer has a cooler hair than his icon pick. You know what? I think he has cool hair anywhere. <laughs> Sawyer without internet is a disaster for us all. How else are we going to get the news, y'all? I feel like Sawyer, I do wonder, you know, sometimes I do wonder if the man sleeps. I really do. I think I think the guy, if you go on his Twitter account, he puts out so much great content all the time. And it's uh, it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild. I, I, I really admire his dedication. Really admire his dedication. Sawyer is so awesome. His post got me two next day Tesla Model Y deliveries. Thanks for your dedication, Sawyer. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about, about the work that Sawyer does. I think it, it really does help people out. I really do think it, it helps people out. And I think, um, yeah, it's just a great dude. And I'm glad he made some time to uh, to come on and, and talk to me. And hopefully we can uh, get his uh, internet settled uh, in the next few minutes here. Is today's GM news bullish for Tesla? I am not, you know, I did put out a video earlier today, if you do want to check it out on my channel, sort of covering GM's quarter one report. I do think that what, what's impressive about GM, I'll give, I have to give them credit. They're very good at making money. If there's something that they're good at is making profits. But I think there are, there's a lot of signals that really point to the business sort of going down, uh, especially in China and their pickup truck business. So the question is going to be, as they transition into electrification, are they going to be able to keep the, the company profitable during that time? So we'll see. It's going to be uh, interesting to see if that happens or not. But uh, we'll keep an eye open for that. All right. Here we go. We got right. the man's back. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I connected to hardwired Ethernet, so hopefully it won't drop. Okay, sweet. I've uh, I we promoted your channel. We sent everybody to your uh, subscription page, so you can uh, maybe we can get you a Starlink. <laughs> maybe that will help. Oh man, I think I lost you again. Are you there? Oh Sorry. my goodness. Oh my goodness. What this is going bad. on? Try uh try turning off your video maybe, and then maybe we'll just to try audio, and then maybe that helps. Okay. okay. Um. Yeah, so, so we'll try that. I, I have no idea if that's going to be good or not, but um, we'll give it a shot. So we were talking about your Twitter 
uh, sort of starting your account, your Twitter account and covering the news. And you've been doing it for really heavily for the last three years. And you noticed a shift of um, sort of negative articles going down slightly between 2020 and 2023. How, what kind of, what have you seen as far as, you know, since Elon Musk took over Twitter, what have you noticed from mainstream media or some of the news that you cover? Has there been any difference there? No, I, I think the, the general narrative towards Elon is, has gotten worse, if anything, um, especially with, I think, I think media likes to control the narrative. And I think with Twitter, they're having a hard time doing that with Elon running it. And I think Elon is, is sort of disrupting a lot of social media right now. And I think a lot of people are looking at what Elon has done at Twitter and removing so many company, uh, so many employees and still having the company being, being able to function. And I think a lot of people are probably going to follow his lead. Honestly, I think I know one or two companies already have, um, mm -hmm. but I, I think he's a real disruptor. And I, I, you know, I think the general narrative around Tesla has, is less negative than it used to be, especially because, you know, a lot of people believe EVs are actually going to happen now, whereas maybe three, four years ago, they didn't. Um, gotcha. But yeah. Have you seen it like a decoupling of, and I don't know how, how easy it is for you to gauge this, but have you seen a decoupling between Tesla and Elon Musk? Or do you think that's those two things are still very much sort of like bonded together? Have you been able to gauge that at all from your perspective? No, I, I think they're still quite linked. Um, I, you know, I think Elon once Elon sort of started to dive into politics and more non you know, his company related topics starting around January of 2022. And especially when he, you know, you know, announced his bid to buy Twitter, it sort of ramped up. And I think that sort of created some fractures or, you know, different channels or thinking that people believe. And, and that's been creating a lot of, I think, toxicity in the community to some degree, unfortunately. Um, but I don't know what that's going to look like long term, to be honest. But Elon's always going to be Elon. You know, he can't change that. Yeah. Do you um, do you wish he did less of that? Like, like, like sharing his opinion, like political stuff. How, how do you think about that? Or do you just not have an opinion on that? You know, I think people should always be able to share their opinion. Um, but there are definitely tweets where I'm like, ah, you know, I wouldn't have said that myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, I think Elon has probably always been this way. It certainly be like behind the scenes more, but now he's just, now that he owns Twitter, he's just sharing it, the, you know, the quiet part out loud. Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's always going to be himself. Some people don't like that. Some people are fine with it. Um, I'm sort of, you know, sometimes when I cringe at some of the tweets he sends out, I'm like, I don't think it's good because sometimes I do feel like he alienates some potential customers with tweets. Um, but, you know, what can we do? Yeah, I almost wonder, and this is something that I think through uh, quite a bit, and I'm curious to get your take. I wonder if uh, a little bit of it is now that he is an owner of Twitter, sort of, you know, I, as a former Tesla employee, one of the things that I remember Elon was known for at the company was that he always led from the front, you know? So it's like, Hey, if I expect you to work a ton of hours, I'm going to be working a ton of hours kind of thing, really putting an effort. And if it's, you know, with Twitter, the whole thing is free speech. You know, we're going to really push towards people being able to really say what they want, you know, or what they feel uh, within the sort of confines of the law. And maybe a lot of sort of the latest, I don't know if we want to call it rhetoric or sort of speaking up about his personal beliefs is maybe a little bit of, hey, you know, look at me. I, I'm a CEO of Tesla, CEO of SpaceX, and I'm coming out and kind of saying how I feel as controversial as it may be. And it's just sort of kind of a forcing function to get everybody else comfortable to be OK with that. Have mm -hmm. you thought about that at all? Do you think some of it is just very calculated way of saying let's enable 
everyone to kind of feel comfortable saying potentially controversial stuff so we can actually talk about it? Like, how, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a fair take. I think he, I think he likes to get people used to, you know, he, if you watch a lot of his interviews and I watch pretty much every single one, he repeats a lot of the same lines. And I think that's to get people's or his thinking ingrained in people's minds, but also to get people comfortable with certain topics that may be typically uncomfortable to talk about. Um, I think Elon is no stranger to, you know, discussing controversial topics. And I think he, he wants that open debate, especially on Twitter, you know, free speech and all the open, open forum. And he doesn't want certain uh, narratives suppressed. You know, I think he wants both angles, both sides to be able to express their opinions. And hopefully there isn't too much toxicity in the middle <laughs> discussing that. Mm -hmm. uh, have you noticed since you're a like, heavy user of Twitter, have you noticed any differences sort of pre-acquisition and post-acquisition? And can you talk about them? Uh, from his company standpoint or from him? From your perspective, from your perspective, like Twitter as an experience. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're a power user. I'm just curious, curious what your take is. Yeah, I would say it's I, I have seen probably a 50 to 60 percent drop in the amount of bots that I have under my tweets as well as in my DMs. Um, I've seen a rapid rollout of new features that have been quicker than any point in Twitter's history. I've seen more features roll down in the last 90 days than probably I saw in the last previous three years using Twitter. So yeah. and that's with 80 percent fewer employees at the company. So that's pretty incredible. Um, albeit a lot of them are buggy, but they eventually fix those. <laughs> but I'm fine with like, you know, crazy deadlines and pushing out features be just before they're ready. You know, I'd rather have them do that than hold them, you know, wait two years to put out an edit button like the old Twitter management did. Sure, sure. But I've certainly seen a huge increase in uh, Twitter activity from Elon's company's Twitter's accounts, like especially Tesla. They've probably tweeted more in the last, I don't know, maybe 60 days. I think they did all of 2022. They had 1 billion impressions or tweet views on their uh, Twitter account last year. And that's exact, actually exactly how many tweet views I had on my Twitter account as well, except it took me 80 times more tweets than, than their account did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they only had 180 tweets in all of 2022. And I mm -hmm. think they already surpassed that like six, probably 30 to 60 days ago already in 2023. So there's a huge mm -hmm. increase uh, of a marketing effort from the Twitter account on Tesla for sure. One of the big uh, things that have been going around since really the last couple of quarters when Tesla started signaling, hey, we're, we're going to really start uh, price is going to be, be the, the biggest thing we're going to go after to try and drive sales into the next few years. There's been a sort of big, um, I don't want to say big, but a significant portion of folks that are, say, Tesla investors want the company to be a lot more engaged in advertising specifically. Do you have a take on that at all? Because, you know, you're so close to the sort of how Tesla pushes their content out on Twitter and you, you see their stuff constantly. How, how do you think about that? Do you think there's room for them to do that or do you think about that differently? So I'm not of the opinion that Tesla will be able to sell 20 million vehicles per year um, and not do any sort of paid advertising. However, mm -hmm. I do still think it's too early in the process to start paid advertising. You know, I think with new models coming out, uh, you know, the Cybertruck will be itself will be a rolling advertisement. You know, you know we, there's sort of rumors about the refresh Model 3 coming out. I think those things, you know, the, the Model 3 is like a six year old design. It's, it, you know, the exterior hasn't been refreshed in a while. The interior was refreshed a little bit a few years ago. But those things, I think, alone will generate a lot of new demand. Um, and certainly, you know, the Cybertruck 
like I said, it will be a rolling advertisement on the road and people are going to be like, what the heck is that? Like, I go to the Tesla website and they'll see all the other models. Oh, wow. I can get $7,500 EV tax credit incentive. And in the model of Y now, uh, Bloomberg put out a report today, you know, the average cost of the, or the base price model Y is now less expensive than than the transaction price of an average new vehicle in the U S. So prices are coming down, whether that's, you know, we'll see what that does to earnings long-term, but, I think the margin worries short term are a bit overblown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm generally in the same camp as you are. I I'm curious out of all the sort of things that you've seen in the last few months, do you think there is a story out there that's related to this EV transition or the Tesla story or renewables or anything that you cover that should be covered by mainstream media way more than it is now? Like, does something stick out to you that's like, I can't believe nobody's talking about this because you just see so much, right? I'm curious if there's anything out there that sticks out that's front of mind, potentially. I, I, you know, I think Tesla, from the mainstream media's perspective, you know, Tesla doesn't get enough credit for the change that they brought to the industry and to multiple industries, not only just automotive, but you know, the tech industry and uh, you know, energy storage, stuff like that. And I'd like to see more recognition on that part, although I don't expect it at all. Um, And I think there are various narratives that Tesla put in their impact report yesterday that are extremely important to highlight, you know, publicly, which is what I tried to do yesterday. But unfortunately, you know, those reports are really long. Most like 99.9% of people aren't going to read those reports. So that's why I try to put them out in a sort of easily and digestible way to hopefully get some exposure. But you know, even me, we sort of, my Twitter following is a little bit of a bubble too. Um, there's only so much exposure that I have. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, the community should focus on a lot of the points in that report and try to spread it as much as they can. And hopefully over time it catches on. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and bring up a few of those actually. That's a, that's a perfect segue. So uh, a producer wife has some of the uh, tweets staged. I know, uh, so this report is like, what, 200 some odd pages long or something? Yeah, crazy great job tesla <laughs> where's chat gpt to summarize it for us or sawyer Sawyer's doing a great job with it too so let's go ahead and, and pull up uh, some of the tweets uh we'll go in a in a i don't know what order we'll go in i sent uh i sent cindy like six or seven one we can hit so bring up the first one so this is again from uh sawyer Merritt, sort of highlighting some of the things that you've seen on the report and i'll just highlight them and maybe give a little bit, a bit of a background as to why you chose this one to share maybe sawyer uh, so this one is Tesla Model Y is the most efficient electric SUV ever made. And so the slide here shows that the Model Y is uh, basically at four miles per kilowatt hour. Volkswagen ID4 is at 3.2, Mach-E at 3.1, I-Pace and the Audi e-tron at 2.7, 2.6. Uh, did you want to provide any additional context here, Sawyer, for this? Specific I mean, week? not too much. I think that just you know goes to Tesla's relentless focus on vertical integration and continuous improvement. You know, they're not stuck on model years. They just... They just roll out updates when ready and you know their ve- when they, a vehicle comes out it starts out really efficient but then it con- continuously just gets better over the years um, and mm-hmm. that's sort of what we see there the 4.0 um, and I, I expect that to get better as the years go on with the 4680s being implemented yeah i think what's interesting about this one is i had a conversation with corey from monroe yesterday and one of the things that he uh, really reiterated that uh i think speaks directly to this is that it seems like tesla has a very uh, they spent a lot of time outside of the battery technology. So a lot of removing the harnesses, uh, using as little materials as humanly possible. And that allows 
uh, sort of Tesla to maximize the range of the car because it's not just how good your battery is, it's how much weight it has to carry around mm -hmm. and how uh, efficient the motors are. And I think that sort of graph, if we can pull that back up again, is very uh, indicative of why sort of Tesla is, is as good as they are from that front. Yeah, and we, and we know legacy auto manufacturers are extremely jealous of Tesla's methods and how they go about making their vehicles. CEO of uh, Ford, Jim Farley, a, few, a handful of months ago, he was sort of saying, we have so many parts in the Mach-E that we can get rid of. I think he's talking about 800 different parts that just shouldn't be there. And these are all things that they're going to, they're probably going to approach a more agile manufacturing uh, away, just like Tesla does. You know, they just make changes when ready. Um, yeah. And that's probably what legacy auto manufacturers will do. Yeah, I expect them to do that. Otherwise, they're not going to be. It's going to be tough. We'll be around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be rough. Let's do the next one. The next tweet uh, that we have highlighted here, producer wife uh, Sawyer Merritt uh, again at Sawyer Merritt. Even after two hundred thousand miles, a Tesla battery degrades just twelve percent. And so here we see sort of the graph. There shows that at hundred percent, at basically zero miles on the left there, and then over time at two hundred thousand miles. You can see that the degradation is about 12%, which means you still have 88% of your battery remaining on average. And so, you know, that means if you start with, uh, let's see if we can do math real quick. If you start at 300, 000, uh, 300 miles, then after 200,000 miles, you would still have about 270, 260-ish miles left. Any additional context you want to give there, Sor? Yeah, that's interesting because they're using all the data from their older Model S's and X's, which, you know don't have as, as, as efficient drivetrains and batteries and all that. So that that percentage, that 12% will probably improve as the Model 3 and Y data comes in and in the 4680s over the coming years. But this narrative that, you know, you're going to need to replace your battery or, or it's just going to be unsafe, it's just completely false, it's clearly. Yeah. And so, so the Model 3 and Y, we would expect that to be even better, right? Because it would have upgraded battery tech and all that good stuff. I'm yeah, curious exactly. if did, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious when that data is going to be ready to be shared. So this is probably, is this the first time they've shared information like this before? Yeah, I don't remember them doing anything like this on last year's impact report. Okay, so hopefully we'll get the Model Y and 3 uh, data soon. That's that's pretty, that is like such a, um, I can't tell you how many times I hear from people, you know, that, that aren't familiar with EVs. They're like, well, I heard I have to replace my battery every four to five years. I'm like why they're like because it loses like half the range i'm like no <laughs> yeah, no <it's laughs> that's not how it works yeah true. so this is like a perfect slide to sort of uh you know if, if you really want to drive the electric vehicle sort of adoption this is like the perfect slide to really get out there yeah and i think there's this general notion that especially vehicles in the, in the more northern states and countries that have cold weather that, that the battery degradation will be quicker and and faster but you know with tesla's heat pumps and continued improved technology that's my, my mom you know she has a model y and she hasn't seen any issues with winter range at all yeah yeah my dad has a three in uh, new jersey and uh he's had a, this is the first winter and he had he said yeah i had zero issues absolutely zero issues yeah. so it's, it's it's a great sign I'm gonna this is the next on my Sorry. camera we'll see if yeah i, I freeze out again I'll just, we'll give it a shot we'll give it yeah a shot. we'll give it a shot we definitely want to make sure people see your handsome face, Sawyer. <laughs> that awesome hairdo. I love it. Let's do the uh, next tweet here. Uh, let's put it up. So Tesla says uh, they leverage AI to make their energy use more efficient. In 2022, AI control was launched at Gigafactory Texas and expanded to 34% of total heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Uh, the AI control policy enables HVAC systems within Gigafactory to work together to process sensor data. 
model giga dynamics and apply control action. So go ahead and pull up that a picture there, producer wife, so we can help uh, the audience see this a little bit better. So you can see that there's sections where it says AI off and AI on, AI off and AI on. And then the green line is how much energy is being used. And so you can see that anytime the AI is off, more energy is being used. And then when the AI is on, less energy is being used. And so this is kind of proof that says, hey, the system is helping us lower the energy, which also helps us lower costs. Uh, any additional context there, Sawyer? Yeah, I mean, I think Tesla's uh, in-house AI team, this again speaks to vertical integration. I think they are using AI for multiple things, including their Megapack business, their energy storage business uses AI to make um, that whole segment way more energy efficient. And I think they just rolled out an update, actually, that'll save a lot of their partners a lot of money, millions of dollars, in fact. Um, so, yeah, they'll continue to do this probably throughout their, all their factories. Awesome. Let's do the uh, next slide. This one, actually, let's not do the next slide because this one is, this one is, I think also speaks to just how they're like, to your point, the full self-driving team that they, that they created literally allowed them to do this in-house and the dojo team that they created literally allowed them to do this, like the sort of that, the vertical integration piece is not, it's not well understood. And like, this is going to allow them to lower costs over time and they start with energy where else can they use this technology for you know i feel like the opportunities are endless here is that how you how you think about it too yeah we don't even know what extent dojo is really being implemented and in what areas so that could actually really change things in various you know in the mega pack business too but also it'd be curious to see next year if they include similar data on next year's impact report how that changes over the next 12 months yeah cool let's do the next one here i think there might be two more that i want to highlight uh Let's pull it up. And uh, Model 3 is the first EV to be priced on par with ICE vehicle equivalents, even before taking into account federal and local incentives. So go ahead and pull that up uh, real quick, producer wife. So you have a starting price for the midsize premium sedan. So the Model 3 real wheel drive is 39.9. And then the Audi A4 is 40. The 3 Series is 43. The C Class is 44. And again, this is uh, before really any major uh, EV incentives any context there, Sawyer? Because this one seems like a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I know that they are wanting to compare their Model 3 to the luxury segment cars, but I actually like the comparison to the um, the everyday cars, such as the Toyota Corolla, the RAV4, and the Honda Accord, because now with the new EV incentives and the Model 3 starting about 40 grand, they're actually on par with the higher trims of the Honda Accord. Um, the Model 3 real drive, I believe, is the same price as a Honda Accord Touring. And as a Camry V6, whatever that trim is. Um, and same with the Model Y, actually. That's a similar price to uh, the higher trim of the RAV4 Hybrid, I think. So I think those are probably the more important comparisons because that gives a better perspective of how, uh, how much the price has come down recently and how affordable these Teslas really are. Because I think when people think of BMW or Mercedes, or like, those are really expensive vehicles. But when you think of Toyota and Honda, you're like, those are the vehicles for the everyday average American, right? So I think that's probably that's and I put a tweet out, I think, last week, I want to say, um, sort of giving people a price breakdown of all. the. Oh. Uh oh. Lost it there, Sawyer. Oh, oh no. OK, <laughs> yeah, that, well, that one lasted for a while, though. We got it solid like five well, minutes. I'll of take you, it. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I actually my my. My parents and their friends visited us last week and uh, their friends were like, you know, we're, how much 
does your car cost to have a Model Y performance? I'm like, how much do they go for now? How, how much do they cost now? And they're like, yeah, it, it, I, you know, you can buy one for like 46 and the EV tax credit gets it down to like 40 and then California gets another 2000 and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like I had no idea, you know? So I wonder, I wonder if how quickly this will sort of make it out to people and what kind of awareness sort of Tesla can drive to, to make sure as many people as possible know that, you know, I'd like Tesla's marketing channels their you know, their social accounts to focus more on that and get the word out because, you know, I've, I've tried to in recent weeks, especially with, you know, the Oregon, Oregon for like a while had crazy incentives where like you could get the model three rear wheel drive in April this month. It's over now, but you could get it for about 25, $26,000, <sighs> which is insane. like, that's Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yeah. Lost you again, Sawyer. I think we got to go without the camera again. <laughs> okay. That's Toyota, Toyota Corolla level, you said. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think people, yeah, they should, they should make more people aware about that. Yeah. Th there is a, another tweet that sort of highlights the, the cost per mile as well. Can you bring that up, uh, producer wife, when you get a chance? It's one of the, one of the two. Perfect. The, the total cost of ownership per mile of a Tesla Model 3 real-wheel drive is just 49 cents, similar to a Toyota Corolla, which starts at half the price. So go ahead and pull up that slide for us so we can see a little bit easier. So 49 cents per mile total cost, 99.95% uh, supercharger uptime. So they're kind of saying, hey, if you do decide to go with this very affordable cost per mile, you're also going to be able to charge it at any time. Super safe lower cost, uh, lowest cost per watt solar and failure rate of energy products. That's sort of another piece of, uh, of, of their puzzle. But that 49 cents per mile total cost of the uh, Model 3, similar to a Corolla, like that needs to be its own sort of like thing that every week they're like, retweet, retweet, retweet. <laughs> That's kind of what you're talking about, right? I saw someone say each one of those five categories could, also, could be their own advertising campaign, which is kind of true, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that first one is super important to focus on. Why, why do you think, do you think uh, the reason why the company hasn't sort of s spent a lot of time pushing that narrative is because maybe they don't have the production necessary to keep up with, with what could be the demand for it? Or do you think it's more that people aren't comfortable yet in taking the plunge because of the hesitancy around EVs? Like, how do you think about that? Well, before it was production capacity, they just didn't have it and they didn't want the, you know, the waits to get two, three years long. That's good for nobody. But now I think they're at a point where, you know, demand is probably below production capacity for the most part. You know, I think with the price cuts, you know, if they aren't working to increase demand, that can mean various things. You know, that's it's either it's still too expensive in the eyes of potential buyers or lack of knowledge that the price cuts even happened or general lack of the product's existence or features or capabilities. Um, could be competition, although less so, I think, in this case. And it could be, you know, economy and recession fears and higher interest rates. You know, I think the other question is, you know, you know, how fast is, you know, Tesla selling these cars? You know, Elon said, you know, the order rate was 2x production on the Q1 earnings call. But was it that because they just made price cuts like the day before? Or is that like a sustained rate? Um, so we'll have to see, I guess, in the next delivery report. Yeah. And then they also have a uh, investor day, uh, sort of a, a yearly shareholder meeting on May 16th as well uh, in about what, two or three weeks from now yep. where they might talk about that a little bit more. Did you get did you get an invitation to go down? No, I've uh, actually never been directly invited by Tesla to anything. 
Elon, <laughs> if you're watching this, bro, we're on Twitter too. This is live stream on Twitter. Somebody at Elon, be like, yo, invite Sawyer Merritt. What are you doing? <laughs> I was able to go to the Cyber Rodeo last year, but that was a, as a plus one, not a direct plus one. Okay, we'll we'll see if we can make it happen. Oh, that's fine. They don't need to like invite me. It's all right. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I think there's a, a couple other things we want to pull up here real quick. Um, go ahead and pull up the next one. So Tesla has revealed FSC beta users have 30.31 accidents per 1 million miles, while autopilot engage uh, 1.18 accidents per 1 million miles, much better than the 1.53 industry average. So it's sort of like FSD beta users get into five times less accidents than the average driver in the United States, at least. Uh, This is another, this is not well known at all because folks assume the opposite, that these things are going to run over your child, as uh, Dan O'Dowd would say. Uh, Any context you want to give here? This this data is really only 14 or 45 days old. They first started sharing the FSD beta mile crash you know, per million mile data about, I think on the March 1st during the, what was it? The investor day, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think they started doing that because there was a lot of calls from in the community that Tesla needed to share this data so we can have some context on how safe FSD beta is. Because I think there was this notion that FSD beta is really dangerous. You had people like Dan O'Dowd coming out and saying, look, it like hits kids and all this, but really it's actually quite a lot safer. Um, I'll have to, I haven't dug deep in how they actually got to that data, um, I'm sure it's a little bit biased somewhat, but I've tried FSD beta. You know, I've, I think I've driven probably four or 5,000 miles in FSD beta in the last um, 10 months. And it's the, the improvements are incredible. V11 itself is probably the biggest step change I've seen with the version yet. And I'm having multiple zero disengagement drives all the time. It, it's quite common now. So that's good to see. Yeah. And uh, there was a little tease from Elon today on Twitter saying that uh, 11.4 is even better. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. For me, it's like, I couldn't agree more. I've stopped driving. I just I just don't drive anymore. I just yeah. let the car do its thing. And uh, it's passed the wife test. So I can now use it at any point. And my wife is like, yeah, I can trust the car. And I have my parents in the car and my mom was in the back. And I asked her, I'm like, what do you think about this? She's like, I actually trust this more than most people because I can see that I can see everything. And so I trust the system. And I'm like, okay, that's... Yeah, you can that's, see what the brain of the car is sort of thinking on the visualization on the screen. It's true, yeah. Yeah, it creates a lot of trust. It's like, how can it create trust between the individual, like the driver or the passenger and the car? And I think I think that the more and more that it does maneuvers that inspire confidence uh, that the driver can indeed trust the car, I think the adoption for it will skyrocket. And uh, they just have to make it so that it's at a... Uh, at an acceptable price point. And I'm yeah. curious to see when that's going to happen. When do you think that will happen, by the way? When do you think it's going to be widely adopted? Uh, I, I don't like that Elon said, like, again, for the seventh year in a row. Like, hey, it's <laughs> coming up here, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think just let, you know, let's just let it speak for itself at this point. Um, yeah. I think we're getting close. Because, like, if anyone that's used, at, you know, V11.3, whatever it is, I mean, we're, we're almost there. Like, we're, I think more and more people are posting their videos and having more and more fewer engagements drives. Um, and I think by the end of this year, it's going to be really good. Of course, a lot of people think 15,000 is too much. Um, I'm not in that camp. I think it's a really fun tool to use while driving. And it also just makes it, I think, a lot more enjoyable in my opinion. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see where that price parity is because they haven't raised the price in a while. That probably tells me the take rate isn't like insanely good. Um, 
but I could be wrong on that. Of course, I don't have data to back that up. Yeah, I'm curious to see where they go. I I, I expect them to do the upfront cost of the fifteen thousand sort of thing that they have. I'm wondering if that's going to be it's going to come with a license to be able to add the car to the robo taxi network. And then the monthly subscription is for somebody that just wants to use their car to drive them around, but they can't add it to the network. I, I wonder think, if it's something like that. I think Tesla should really beef up the referral program and include some sort of FSD bid as like trial mm. or in that, because I think a lot of people would be shocked how good it is, but they just don't want to pony up the money or even know that the monthly subscription exists. Um, so that'd be interesting to see them do that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's do the, I think there's one more we want to hit. And then if, if okay with you for the last five minutes or so, Sawyer, we'll do some uh, Q&A with, uh, with our comments. Is that okay? Yeah. We'll see what sure. kind of comments we can come up. Uh, so, and this is a slide 15 from the, from the actual report. Tesla produced and delivered over 1.3 million EVs globally in 2022. And then on the right, there is a graph that shows uh, Tesla's yearly sales from 2017 through 2022. So the darker the lines get, the it's the newer year. And you can see that it's sort of gotten bigger. Then you have BYD, Volkswagen, uh, Hyundai, so on and so forth. What The one big takeaway here, and I know this, but I don't think anyone else, barely anybody else does, especially outside of the sort of this bubble that we're in, is that even, even though BYD reports a lot of sales, uh, it's not EV sales. It's actually uh, hybrid sales, gas car sales, and EV sales. And yeah, the so- they say like it's electrified quote-unquote which is super confusing for the headline because people will like is that a full electric vehicle or is that a hybrid when really they should just be saying battery electric vehicles and they're not outselling tesla with those currently that's correct uh any additional context you want to give on this uh on this graph right here not too much i think i think ford is probably going to move up that list decently here pretty soon um yeah byd and the tesla that's a heated competition i think in china um but Boy, boy, Toyota at the bottom there. That's just pathetic. Like, like they need to step their game up. Yeah, man. And and Jaguar sort of is shrinking. That's yep. that's the other one that I think is kind of shopping shocking. Is like in a in a segment that is exploding in the EV car, the Jaguar is actually shrinking. It's like, actually, know, GM pace. Should, yeah, GM should be a lot higher too because they got into this game like eight years ago with the Bolt, which funny enough, they're now discontinuing. Um yeah, they should be way higher on the list. I think they sort of stumbled their feet for years, um, especially Toyota. Like, Toyota's been so bad. But I, yeah. with the new CEO, we'll see if the strategy shifts and they can get going. Out of all these sort of automakers, and let's put sort of Tesla aside since they're pure EV, which one of these do you think has the biggest chance of success to actually, let's say, be a huge player by the end of the decade? I want to say Ford or VW. Um, I think VW has a big a uh, group of products that are pretty good. Um, but I think Ford, I think Jim, I think Jim Farley's like a pretty decent CEO. They've been, like, they've made some horrible missteps in recent years, but I, I think Jim Farley's at least honest about it. Whereas Mary Barr, I don't think is as much. Um, and I think we'll see Ford probably step up their production capacity quite a bit in the coming years. Nothing to what Tesla will do, of course, but I think it'll yeah. be better than a lot of people expect. Yeah. The, the one trend that I'm starting to see. So I, I looked at GM's earnings today and 
I think it's starting to really become clear that their ability, I'm going to use GM as an example, to really generate profits while their most profitable segments shrink in the pickup truck and the gas car. And they are ramping up their money losing business for at least for the next few years in the EV segment. How those two things sort of transition is going to be so incredibly important for these legacy car companies, because if it's not done right and they whiff on the EV or their gas car business shrinks too fast, it's over. It's like yeah. it's it's going to it's going to require chapter 11. They're going to they have to be to... really careful. And it's a really yeah. delicate game, especially with their dealership networks, which I think they want to get away from. But how do you do that? I don't know. Um, it's a delicate balance and I, I don't expect them to make money from EVs for like years to come, especially GM. I think, um, yeah. it's going to be a tough, tough balance for sure. For sure. All right. Let's use the last few minutes here. Sawyer has an extremely busy schedule. He never sleeps as we know, he's always out there putting out content. So we got to make sure we let him go on time. Let's uh, pull up a, a couple questions from the comment section, producer wife, if we can. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll uh, let uh, Sawyer go here. So Jupiter James, question. Why can't Tesla build multiple major gigafactories now with a capacity of about 20 million and just ramp them all up at the same time over the coming eight years or so? How do you think about this, Sawyer? I think they probably feel like they can uh, expand a lot of their current factories footprints quite a bit in the current locations. I think I would like them to see it uh, announce more mega factories for the mega packs. I, I don't think two is enough. Um, but a lot of people have been making the point, well, why not just announce three more factories? Um, but I think we'll have to wait for, I think that'll come on average. I did the math the other week on average they're announcing a new factory roughly every seven months, which is a decent pace. You know, it takes a while to build these things. They're pretty quick, but, um, yeah, I don't know if that, that, that number might come down over time, but you have to remember like their new factories are way more efficient than they used to be. So they can pump out a lot more vehicles in a smaller space. So they're not going to need, you know, as many factories as probably GM is going to need. Um, especially, you know, we saw a 50% decrease in footprint size for the next gen factory and for the Giga Mexico versus, you know, I think like Fremont or, or Shanghai, I think was a comparison. I can't quite remember, but yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to be really efficient with their space to the point where they don't need like dozens and dozens of factories. Yeah, I agree. I uh, Based on my math, with Giga, with Giga Mexico and the sort of like unannounced Giga factory that Tom Drew alluded to at the, at the at the last meeting it, they're between eight to ten million sort of like announced capacity right now and if they're averaging about two million per car factory uh which is their goal with this sort of compact car then you really need only f only five more factories in the next in the next say seven years to reach that 20 million in capacity theoretically if that's what they're going to go towards and yeah, and yeah. land at these locations like giga texas is like 2500 acres giga mexico is like 4300 uh, giant and they're already expanding giga berlin so i think they'll continue to expand on current locations as well yeah let's do uh, the next one and next question night quill <laughs> night quill 125 what's your thoughts on fsc free for 30 days and then 199 a month how do you think about that sir yeah, I don't, you know, I think a lot of people view the 199 as sort of the f almost free trial. Like, you know, you sort of step, you can step in and step out whenever you want versus coughing up the 15 grand. Um, I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to like a free trial, especially for like referrals. If that could be one of the perks. Um, yeah, maybe I, 30 days might be long. I think Elon would probably think that's too long. Maybe, maybe 14 days. That was fine. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the free trial is, especially, uh, 
you know, I think they're there now, but I'm curious to see how 11.4 is going to do. If that version is really like no interventions and no disengagements, uh, say for nine out of 10 drives, I would just, I would just send that out to everybody who has a Tesla, be like, oh my God, you have FSD. If you like to keep this in your car forever, click this button and we'll subscribe you for X dollars a month. And it's like, you know, like you said, 14 days or 10 days or whatever. And I just can't see how half the fleet won't purchase that. <laughs> yeah, if they would have sent that out to the entire U.S. and Canada fleet, that'd be interesting. Like, here, here's free 14 days of FSD. Like, if you want to keep it yeah. afterwards, you can. Yeah, that'd yeah. be interesting. I think that'd convince some people. It's not everybody, but enough. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then we'll do uh, one last one here, and then we'll let Sawyer go. Uh, we're uh, basically at time here, so we got to make sure we uh, we move on. So, Brad, question. At what adoption percentage of EVs do ice and oil lose economies of scale and start costing significantly more? Uh, is it 30%? Is it 50%? That's a phenomenal question. How do you think about that, Sawyer? That is Have a any math. Yeah, that's tough. So, yeah, it, it's it's a lot less than you think. That That's sort of the the... If I think about it from a math perspective, if you look at all the assets that are tied up in the gas business for for the for the the gas car business for uh, uh, a legacy automaker, it's a huge majority, and all their factories are tied up in in that part of the business. So it it all comes down to how capable is the company in getting rid of their gas car business, which is going to lose value as the EV business gets adopted, and it's it's all dependent on how quickly they can shut that business away, either through bankruptcy or selling the assets or something or moving away from that business. And then I think it'll be uh, just in for every automaker, I think it'll yeah. be different for every automaker, especially like for yeah. Toyota, it's probably a lot worse percentage than let's say probably Ford is, I would say. Right. You, you kind of already seen this with some automakers, you know, like I, I would argue you're seeing this with GM now. You know, that they're, they, yeah. if you kind of pull out their cruise, uh, their uh, autonomous business out of their financials, they actually are making less profit year over year in a year that doesn't have any COVID issues. Albeit, you know, you have the, the interest rates going up and there's less sales for their cars. Their pickup trucks are sort of disappearing because nobody's buying them because nobody can afford them and their profitability is coming down. But if they had a profitable EV in the case of a Tesla, they'll be able to sell these things at 18%, 20% margin and then be making it up, you know? So I would argue we're there already. It's, it's that break-even point. It's probably, I don't know, probably somewhere between 30 and 40% if I were to guess. Yeah. Uh, it's when they are going to be hurting really badly. Any Anything else to add? Sorry. No, I think that's pretty much it. Okay. Awesome. Well, we had some technical difficulties, but we still made it work. Sawyer, any parting words before I let you go, my friend? Yeah, I'll just uh, plug my Twin Burst brand. We have a clothing company coming out in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, I think transitioning to a sustainable energy uh, economy is that's important for Tesla, but you know, other industries also need to transition to transition us to a, a fully sustainable economy. And clothing, you know, it produces eight to ten percent of all global emissions, uh, CO two emissions, that is. Um, and so we're going to try to tackle that. We're going to try to make sustainable clothing the best we can. And we'll offer, you know, just a few things in the beginning, <laughs> but it won't be nothing crazy, but you can sign up at twinbirch.com and we should be launching in the coming weeks to the general public family and friends are going to launch tomorrow. So excited for awesome. that. Awesome. 
Well, I can't wait to uh, represent some um, some Twin Birch, uh, some merch here on the channel. Once you go live, I, I'm very much looking forward to supporting that venture, man. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for making the time. And uh, we'll speak again sure, I'm, uh, uh, soon, I'm sure. And then hopefully we'll have the the lag gods will be on our side. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, I don't, I've done so many interviews and this is the first time my internet's been weird. So sorry about yeah. that. That's fine. It's completely fine. It could be on our side too. Who knows? But yeah, sometimes yeah. the internet's weird. So thank you, man. Really appreciate you. And uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again, Sora. Take it see easy, bud. All right. Bye, everybody.